Hello, and welcome to 7-Minute Opinions, your audio guide to thought-provoking arguments from a variety of writers and thinkers. I'm Paul Waldman, a columnist at The Week, and today I'd like to make the case for killer robots. If there's one thing science fiction has taught us, it's that advancements in robotics lead to one inevitable end. The robots become self-aware, then decide to rise up and destroy their human creators. But this scenario is no longer completely fictional. We've gotten to the point where the idea of killer robots is something we need to confront so we can decide how to handle it. And I'm here to help, to defend killer robots. I'm telling you I believe they can make the world a safer and even more humane place. Now just to clarify, when I say killer robots, I'm referring to robotic military systems that can make their own decisions to fire weapons. Our military and those of other countries use lots of different kinds of robots today, from drones in the sky to bomb disposal bots on the ground. While some of these have weapons, only a human being can actually fire them. The robot can't make the decision to fire on its own. Now the prospect of turning over life and death decisions to autonomous robotic systems has some people very worried. And the case against killer robots would seem almost self-evident. After all, machines can't feel empathy, or grapple with moral quandaries, or exhibit caring and concern, or have a conscience, or be held accountable for their decisions, or carry into battle any of the emotional qualities we expect from soldiers who temper their work with their humanity. And that's why a growing number of people and nations are encouraging the development of some kind of international regime to restrain killer robots, similar to those that restrict the use of chemical weapons and landmines. Four years ago, Human Rights Watch issued a comprehensive report making the case against autonomous weapon systems. And this year, they released a new memo calling for international policies prohibiting their development, production, and use. On the surface, such calls seem like a good idea. But when we think of weapon-wielding robots, we're probably thinking either of technology as it exists today, or of the apocalyptic sci-fi vision we get from movies like The Terminator. Jesus, you're gonna kill that guy! Of course, I'm a Terminator. Neither of those scenarios accurately represent where we might find ourselves in 20 or 30 years, when artificial intelligence has progressed far beyond its current capabilities. The justification for allowing robots to wield weapons is simple. Human beings are terrible at making decisions. Anything we fear killer robots might be capable of doing is something we humans already do to one another. Human soldiers become tired, inattentive, confused, uncertain, angry, afraid, and all of these things can lead to mistakes, including the killing of innocent civilians. Artificial intelligence may still pale in comparison to humans when it comes to distinguishing real threats from imagined ones, but it's just a matter of time before it catches up. But what about gut instincts? What about those emotional hunches that help flesh and blood humans make calculated decisions? Well, we humans have those hunches and instincts because we can integrate our knowledge and prior experiences with all the data our senses are delivering to us at a given moment. So when a soldier sees someone walking down the street with a lump under his jacket, he's processing all the available information to make a judgment about whether or not the man is a threat. In the not-too-distant future, robots will be able to process all that information far more effectively than humans in the vast majority of situations. Plus, they won't get tired or scared or upset. When the technology reaches that point, not employing autonomous weapon systems will actually mean sacrificing the lives of both civilians and soldiers. 
Consider the analogy with self-driving cars. Many of us are still uncomfortable with letting a computer drive us around town, but the technology is getting more sophisticated, and it's getting deployed in commercially available cars incrementally with self-parking systems and adaptive cruise control. And all the while, people are beginning to warm up to the idea of handing over the wheel. We're also now more aware of the central problem self-driving cars are meant to solve, which is our own dangerous driving habits. While traffic fatalities have declined in recent years, the numbers are still staggering. In 2014, more than 32,000 Americans died in car crashes. Once we have a full fleet of self-driving cars, traffic deaths will plummet and could even be virtually eliminated. Now, There's no denying that there will probably be a few isolated cases in which a robotic system mishandles a situation or can't find its way to the decision that could avert a tragedy, and some people might even die as a result. Those rare cases are stumbling blocks for those who oppose self-driving cars. I mean, think how awful it would be to sit in an autonomous vehicle as it plunges you off a cliff. And it's those same rare cases that frighten those who oppose autonomous weapons as well. Think how awful it would be if a killer robot shot someone you cared about because its programming went haywire. Those are indeed scary thoughts. But they ignore the equally scary alternative. All the people killed on the roads and all the innocent civilians killed by the military are due to poor human decision-making. Now perhaps we'll decide to accept a greater death toll to avoid even a single death by robot because doing so makes us feel less afraid and more in control. It's a very human response, but that doesn't make it the right one. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. For more, go to theweek.com slash audio. And if you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast and give us a rating or a review on iTunes. I'm Paul Waldman, and thanks so much for listening.